Hello and welcome to Real Talk Entertainment. My name is Jerry Crow, and in this podcast, I talk to people from the world of sport, music, film, TV, books, and much more. But on this episode, I'll be talking to the legend Gary Terza, who many of you will know from the voiceover world. And I'll be talking to him about that and much more very soon. So, pleased to meet you officially then. Pleased to meet you. Yes, thank you. I did get a message from Alan Irving, asked me to pass on a message of, right. of um, to say hello. <laughs> hello, Alan. <laughs> yes. So, um, he, he came highly recommended by oh, him. Right. Okay. Okay. I, I hope I can deliver. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've got a list of questions that I'm going to just run through if you yeah happy with that um yeah, no problem. okay the first thing i wanted to ask you was um when did you realize that you had a talent for for voiceover well you could argue i've never realized i had a talent for voiceovers <laughs> so um i think it probably started well, I don't know. I mean, talent is 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 a is a value laden word, isn't it? You know, a very uh, a very uh, provocative word in some ways when it comes to voiceovers. And um, I suppose I always enjoyed messing around with with tapes when I was younger. So when I was a teenager, and I enjoyed record. My my mum and dad saved up and got me a, a second hand reel to reel machine. Uh, it was a portable one okay. and bought it off a, um, an uncle of mine who was selling it and I got it as a Christmas present, which was my pride and joy, really. I was about 11 or 12, I think. And then um, I just used to record and muck about and pretend to be a radio DJ and, and just do you know, silly sketches and, and also roped in a friend of mine as well. And kind of, you know, when we came back from school, we'd muck about and do things. And... Um, the one thing that, that I discovered, which was my kind of uh, engineering eureka moment, was that because it, it was just really one track, one track either side of, of tape for, for youngsters like yourself, you probably don't remember these days. But, but um, in those days, if you had a tape, either cassette or reel to reel, you could record on one side, but then you could flip it over and record on the other. So basically, it was, I think it was classed as two track, but you could only hear one track at, at, at a time. And I discovered that if you if you put a, a little bit of masking tape on the erase head, you would effectively, or you could effectively double or multi-track. You could add as many layers on there as 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 possible. So we used to muck around with my friend Colin and we used to mess around with voices and characters and things like that. So it's probably when I first and again, I'm not going to use the word talent, but when I first enjoyed using my voice in, in, in that capacity, in a recorded capacity. So it'd be back then, really. Right. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. I like that story. Um, so with the list of um, artists you've worked with and mentored, um, do you still pay an interest in their lives now and yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you, you, it's um, I mean, one of the things about my course is that people who sign up, students who sign up get a, a year with me anyway, but then I do pick up on various forums, particularly things like uh, Facebook and, and LinkedIn and Twitter and so on. 
and just generally through the through the wires you 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 pick up who's doing well and and so on so it's always nice to see that that people do and and uh, not everyone does sadly but those who are successful you know it, it's great to see that, that they've gone on and, and done different things and and um often been far more successful than i <laughs> than i ever was and um so it's great yeah really really good and it sort of it kind of vindicates what you do really because that's why you do it you know if, if someone is takes away something from the training and then goes with it and, and develops a career in whatever sphere but a voiceover career of some sort even if it's just part-time then you feel you know you've, you've you've done a good day's work really when when you saw them and and uh, helped them so um yeah i mean i, I still uh, you know when i get the nod and and uh, i read about people it's it's always uh, very heartening. Although I, at the end of the day, I always say, well, it's probably got very little to do with me. All I did was light the fuse, really, and, and just showed them the road to go on. And certainly, once they're once they're running with it, certainly when they're up and running, then years later, months later, whatever, my involvement is is much less. So I'm only just that that catalyst. Uh, that uh, that they have hopefully so um but yeah i mean it, it's always yeah it's always really good to hear when people are successful you know it's it's just gladdens the heart i think <laughs> yeah 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 definitely uh it's, so is, is there anything that you're looking for anything in particular when when a student comes to you is there anything in particular that will spark an interest you say yes they've got something or maybe no. Yeah, I, I think the main thing is, uh, and, and it's got nothing to do with the voice, the main thing I would say is that they've got a good reading ability and they can take direction. Because at the end of the day, that's what voiceovers are all about. It's all about being able to bring words to life, words on the page, like an actor would in that sense. So I look for good reading skills, ability to take direction as well. So Obviously, when they're training with me, it's, it's, it's listen to what I'm saying and, and react to those pointers. But of course, that prepares them then for the real world where they are being directed by a producer or a, or a director or a client. You know, So those are the core skills and, and those are the skills that can be developed. I mean, it's not that it's not a kind of binary thing of, yes, you can, no, you can't. But if, if there were little flags i was looking for and, and talents nascent talent if you like it would be the ability to to read a script or read read anything read any words on the page and bring them to life and make them sound genuine and, and hopefully make it sound like they're not reading as well but that develops but good reading skill is absolutely at the core of what you do as a voiceover artist so forget your voice that's kind of a minor thing counterintuitively in many ways because your voice is your voice you know you're stuck with that unless you're doing character voices and so on but the vast majority of voiceover jobs are in mainstream where they require you to use your own voice and because of that the ability to take somebody else's words and bring them to life is absolutely key to what you do as a voice actor as a voiceover artist so that's that's really what um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking for really um, the skills that people 
will need uh, are, the, are the ability to um, read out loud and uh, and also to be able to take direction, take on board what somebody is saying and then develop that, you know, and, and give your own, put your own spin on that in a way, but still adhering to the director or the, the producer, whatever they're saying. You know. Right, yeah. Um, I'm going to just throw in a question here that, um, that you've just brought to mind with that answer. And um, it, it's the same question I've asked before. And basically it is, um, I've always predominantly, when I've been reading, I read in my head and I, I'm reading in, internally. And at some point in my life, I've been told that's the wrong way to do it. And you've just reiterated the same thing. So is that the wrong way to read, to, to progress, would you say? It's not necessarily the wrong way, because it's certainly any reading you can do is really good, even if it is just reading in your head. But you have to bear in mind that only you can hear what's in your head. And it probably sounds very, very good indeed, but only you can hear that. So your brain fills in and all, all the mistakes. You know, it's, it's like when you're reading a book, you can look up and think about having a cup of tea or something and come back and you've still got the story. You know, you might go back a page or a few paragraphs or something. But your, your mind is very forgiving. Your brain is very forgiving when you're reading internally. It's getting that sound that you have in your head out your mouth. And that's the, that's the tricky bit in a way. That's the really hard part of voiceovers. And it doesn't always come out how you intended. So, yeah, reading, reading to yourself is fine. It's, it's not to be... Uh, it's not to be uh, kind of sneered at in any way because it is a, it's a very important way to to start to learn voiceovers but of course at some point you're going to have to get those words out your mouth so reading out loud definitely is a hundred percent better than, than reading in your head and a hundred percent better than that is being able to record and play back because it's the playback that reveals where you're going right and where you're going wrong so even if you just record on your phone or something or your, your, your laptop or iPad or whatever. It doesn't matter at this stage. What matters is that you can hear yourself and see where you need to improve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very useful information, Matt. Uh, my next question then was, is um, regarding COVID, has it caused you any difficulties at all with the lockdown? Well, in terms of the training, yes, because the studios I use, I use two studios, one in West London and one in Hertfordshire. And both, of course, had to close during the lockdown. There was nothing else we could do. What I did find very interestingly was that suddenly I had a lot of people who wanted to do stuff online or take little taster sessions. So I do some Skype or Zoom sessions and they really kind of grew during that period of time and i think partly because everyone else was at home as well and maybe the the, the idea they they wanted to do voiceovers but were too busy at work and so on just couldn't find the time to do it now suddenly they had oodles of time on their hands stuck at home not able to go out what can i do oh i've always fancied doing voiceovers I'll give that Gary bloke a call and, and see if I can do a, a Skype session or a Zoom session or something. So, um, yeah, and I noticed that that really, you know, I was doing a lot of those during the lockdown. They've eased off now, but I was doing a lot. 
and to some extent that that helped to compensate for uh, the, the studios not being open but the studios have been open now for a while and we've kind of had a phased return and we're adhering to social distancing as far as we can and making sure that there aren't many people in the studio. There's normally no more than three of us in the studio anyway, me, the student and the sound engineer. So it's not like we've got lots of personnel there and we can, we can maintain some sort of social distancing policy to an extent, but also it's worth remembering that as the voice actor, the voiceover student in this particular case will be secreted away in a booth anyway. So they're kind of isolated for 60, 70% of the time. Right, and yeah. uh, that means that you know you're automatically social distancing and and uh, you know you're behind closed doors and and, and so on so it it has impacted or it, or it certainly did during the lockdown and would if there was ever any other lockdown imposed in the future but in terms of the long term effect so far but i don't want to tempt fate or anything but so far it's been okay and it's just meant that the people that we booked for uh, uh, for sessions beyond March the 23rd, for example, so late March, April, May, June, I can't remember when the lockdown ended, now it all blurs, doesn't it? But mm -hmm. it, it means that we just have a, a, a bit of a backlog and we're trying to get those slotted in now and uh, get them to come along. But often they're, you know, very keen to come along now, <laughs> you know, now we've been released. And, um, and so we did, it, yes, it did have an impact, but um, it, hopefully, hopefully only temporary. Right, okay, yes. Yes. In regards to the people you've helped over the years, um, are you able to put a figure on that over the years that you've been mentoring? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I've been training now since about 2005. I started it back then. And I would say that probably training 100 odd people a year on average so there must be 2000 people uh, uh, plus that have you know come through the door and, and and been in the studio with us i would say of of that you could break those that 2000 down into into thirds so a third of them will have come along done some stuff with us and then gone off and, and got work and a third of them would have given it a go and given up might have got a little bit of work but then they, they just kind of went off and did something else and then a third of them will never have done anything beyond the session so they would come and see us and sometimes with very good voices and very good at being able to deliver scripts and things but just ended up not doing anything either because they're daunted by the thought of recording from home or they just they're too scared of it or they just are lacking some confidence there or life gets in the way doesn't it you know sometimes a life change might happen so they might end up having a baby or getting married or getting divorced or become ill sadly or go around the world you know so for whatever reason there could be a, a life uh, a life event that that uh, means that they're off off track to a large extent so yeah but but i think that's a pretty you you pick up quite a lot of what's going on with people to some extent so i've got a pretty good idea that it does break down into that sort of 33 percent mm. will will be successful 33 percent will give it a go and give up and 33 percent will will uh will go off and and um, and i'll never hear from them again 
and they'll never do anything, you know, which is, which is very sad when that, when that happens, because they obviously were very keen at the time. They wouldn't have come along if they weren't. So they're very keen at the time, but then you know, for whatever reason, they, they've given it up. So that's 99% I've just worked out. So there's 1% unknown. So I'll say, yeah, <laughs> plus or minus 1% error there. It's probably higher than there's probably plus or minus 3% error. But uh, yeah, I mean, as a rough guide, I think that's, uh, those yeah. are probably the figures. Yeah. So, would, so on that note then, would you imagine that uh, sometimes something would come out of a, a course that people wouldn't expect, either it's harder or, you know, the, the, the format is not what they expected and then they kind of back away or shy away from that? Yeah, I think you're quite right. That that does happen. You know, it's um, it's very revelatory. You record yourself, and one of the, the 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 constants is that people listen back and hear their voices. And if they haven't heard their voices before, are often shocked in a bad way. You know, they think, "Oh my goodness, I sound like that." So, to a, a lot of people, just getting used to their voices is very very difficult because they're not used to hearing it. It's different if you're doing, you know, someone like me, you know, or or you and you used to doing podcasts and and you're used to kind of talking into microphones and listening to yourself back you know we've, we've done that for a long long time it's very different if you're coming in and you've just been in sales or something or you're a I don't know work for the NHS or uh, you, you've got a job that doesn't involve recorded voice which is probably most jobs um, th then it can be a shock so yeah it, it gets um, I think for a lot of people they uh, they find that element quite scary or they they just don't have they they just don't have the faith in themselves and the confidence in their own voices that they can do it even though they probably can that's the thing so a lot of it is is confidence and I'd say you know some of my most successful people um, aren't necessarily the best voiceover artists in the world and I don't mean that in any in any disparaging way at all but they've got the the other elements that you need so they're able to record and edit from home they've got a good sound from home they've set themselves up with a with a decent mic and so on and they've also marketed themselves and promoted themselves and used the tools available like the voiceover websites to promote themselves and, and audition and they've really gone for it so those are the those are the winners in a way and it doesn't necessarily mean it's all about talent you know it's the, the old is it ambition and talent the answer is you know it's a bit of it's a bit of the two isn't it and uh, you can't have one without the other really so I do get super talented people who come along who never do anything you know it's very sad and people who are not bad, you know, okay, they, they model through, but I include myself in this really to some extent, but, you know, really, really go for it and are very consistent and uh, very tenacious about it, you know, they just keep banging away and until someone gives them a voiceover job, you know, and, and that's what it's all about. It's as much about that. So it's as much about your personality as it is about the voice, you know, yeah. in a way the voice is always a very minor player in voiceovers. Right, okay. So how long, how long roughly have you been, would you say, a voiceover artist rather than just a mentor or whatever? You know, how long have you been in the industry, shall we say? Well, I, um, I've been in the industry. If it, I mean, you know, there are lots of different markets in voiceovers, but I've been doing it professionally since 1982. So a huge, long time when I, I got a big break. Uh, when I uh, just left university. So I was very, very lucky and I was the right voice 
and in fact face actually at the time because I also did on camera stuff and I got a, a, a lucky break with my local TV channel up in the Midlands where I'm from and um, I, like I say we, we, it, it, there is luck involved I think in voiceovers because you've got to be the right voice at that right time that somebody just happens to be looking for and I, I got training as an announcer on my local ITV station called Central TV in, in 80, 1982. So that's a good, what's that, 38 years? I mean, nearly 40 years now. So, and, and we used to do some voiceover and some on camera stuff. Um, so really, I mean, I say, I was, you know, that's what I started. That's what I started earning some sort of money. Although from memory, I think, uh, you know, I wasn't allowed to do very much in the first year probably or uh, uh because you know they want i was just fresh out of college didn't know anything and and they wanted to train me and make sure that that uh you know i wasn't going to say anything that i shouldn't say or you know i was going to be able to to do something and deliver some sort of goods to the to them so um i, I got lots of good training there um so probably but that's when i kind of started earning money as opposed to just doing it for fun you know Mm. Um, I mean, before that, I've been on hospital radio, but obviously that's all voluntary and uh, you don't have to be very good, particularly, although there are some excellent people on hospital radio. Um, but and it was a great, great training ground for me, a really good proving ground. But um, yeah, so not far off, you could say 40 years, um, fairly consistently as well. You know, I've sort of moved from TV announcing, which is my kind of forte really it's, it's kind of what I've specialized in I didn't necessarily start out wanting to do that particularly I just kind of ended up falling into that first with ITV in the Midlands and then Channel 4 subsequently um, and then did some radio as well I did some kids TV as well so I've sort of done you know, things around you know in this industry really all pretty much all my life the only other thing i've done is is worked in a sweet shop that's kind of my, my <laughs> that was sort of my first job but other than that i can't do anything else <laughs> right. okay. uh, so having said that is is there any particular niche that you you enjoy you get the most satisfaction from and when it comes to voice i yeah, sometimes. I mean, I think it depends on the job, really. Uh, I did a job the other day for a neighbour, interestingly, and it was it was a humanitarian job. And uh, basically, a very long story, but uh, it, it's basically my, my neighbour um, worked for Chatham House, which is the, the, the foreign policy think tank. And he'd got in uh, a, a particular issue that he was involved with was the, a, a dreadful story, really, of a family who'd escaped uh, Russia. They're being persecuted and uh, by the Kremlin. And um, they escaped to Guatemala thinking it was a safe haven and ended up being persecuted there as well. And the whole family were imprisoned, including the children. And, you know, really horrendous story. And, and my, my neighbor had told me that and he'd made a documentary about it to raise awareness and um just he he said he want, he'd written all the script and everything and compiled this and um just came knocking on the door one day and said would you like to do the voiceover so and that was very you know uh, it, it was very rewarding in 
in that sense. And I earned, uh, for that, I earned a bottle of Ukrainian vodka, which um, <laughs> I can highly recommend. <laughs> the, only the purest grain, I think. There. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that, that sort of thing, obviously things like that that you can do where you feel you, you, you know, you're making a small contribution in some way. But I quite like things like, um, I mean, I always enjoyed my, my live stuff. I mean, that's the, you know, when I was on TV, particularly on Channel 4. You know, it's always great to be, to be live. And I did some radio as well. So I think you know, it, doing announcing live is, is very good because you, you fly by the seat of your pants and it either works or it doesn't, you know, and sometimes it doesn't, of course, and you end up with egg on your face. And then other <laughs> times it, it does work. And you think, oh, that was all right, you know, and I managed to, to pull that one off. Uh, but even things like corporates and corporates and online staff, educational staff and internal training uh, videos and e-learning projects and so on, they constitute a huge area of, of the voiceover industry. And because of that, uh, there, there's a lot of work in that area, all those areas, if you like, straight narration. And sometimes people think, oh, you know, I don't want to do this. I'd rather be doing a video game or animation. I'd be, rather be working for Pixar. Well, of course, you know, wouldn't we all? But actually, at the end of the day, the sort of bread and butter stuff tends to be in uh, those, those areas, fairly mundane areas. But often the clients are, are really grateful that you can do something with their words. And if you add some magic to something I did, I did um, something a year or so ago about uh, uh, wastewater management. It was all about sewage. <laughs> um, but the clients were, were really pleased and they just said, look, we understand that not everyone's interested in sewage. We are, we're passionate about it, it's what we do. But, and we, but we couldn't you know, read the script ourselves. We could write it and film it and everything else. But we wanted a, an inverted commas, a professional voice to, to help. And, you know, thank you very much for doing it. And those, those sorts of things where you've taken some quite boring words but made them interesting or try and make them interesting, you know, that's when I think you earn your pennies, really. And, and you, you probably get the most job satisfaction as opposed to something where it's really show busy and pizzazzy anyway. So it's an exciting project to do. Um, I'm not saying that would know, be great fun, but I think there's in some ways just as much value to be extracted from an enjoyment to be extracted from a, a fairly mundane, prosaic type of type of script, you know. So I enjoy, I, I enjoy those a lot. I mean, it depends on the script and if it's badly written and so on, that's often not so good. But, um, it, it, you know, if, if it's, a, it's an okay script and, and um, you feel you, you can add some magic to it, bring your own, just make your mark on it in some ways, then um, feel you've, you've kind of done something. On, on the notes of a bad script, um, are you able to change it? Would you um, go to the person and say, that's not working or I don't like the way that's put, or do you just go with it and make it as good as you can? That's very interesting. And um, I, it, it so happens I was answering just before this podcast, I was answering that very question to one of my students who'd got this, this script and uh, there were obviously words missing. And it probably had come via Google Translate, you know, the, for the person, the client didn't have English as a first language and put the whole thing into Google Translate and it come out, you know, really bad. And she was saying exactly the same thing, you know, can I change it? And there's no clear answer to that. But I said, well, 
try one version, just reading it as it is, but saying it with conviction. If when you play it back, it sounds unbelievable, then you might need to, to add some words in and, and, and change them. So you can't usually change a script. I mean, if you're doing an audio book, you obviously can't change any of the words. You can't start changing J.K. Rowling or, or Shakespeare or anything, putting your own spin on it. You know, oh, I, think, I think he meant this, you know. Um, you, you can't do that. But with, with some scripts, you can. And, and often you, you just correcting typos you know that usually is is that that's the the kind of reason that they're they're bad or just a bit of bad syntax and um you know just rephrasing stuff what you can do is uh, usually you can do things like contractions so saying he is we are you can say he's and we're you know they are becomes there and that makes it much easier to read and it makes it easier to listen to as a listener you know you're just making it more conversational so you you do have a little bit of leeway but you've got to judge it on a case-by-case basis really right yeah yeah so uh if you was to give somebody some advice some uh some good guidance now who was listening to this podcast about getting into voiceover work what would you be telling them now I'd go back to the reading thing that we spoke about earlier. I'd say just read, 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 read as much as you can in your head, but certainly out loud and record it if you can, even if it's only on your phone. And I'd say learn about the industry, learn what's happening, uh, have a good think about recording from home. Keep your mind open as well. Uh, It's not all about, um, you know, show busy stuff. Keep your mind open to, to changes in, in the industry and uh, the different sorts of voiceover out there. And, um, and go for it. And, and probably, you know, I mean, I'm biased when I say go for a coach, but try and get some training, you know, uh, if you can, whether it's online training. There's loads of great coaches here in the UK. Uh, and some people take uh, training online with, with uh, American coaches, particularly, and there's a lot of them out there. And, um, and, and just learn your, learn your art, you know, learn your craft and, and aim to be as good as you can get. And also bear in mind, it's not all about your voice. It's, that's just the instrument you're using. It's about all the other things as well, like recording from home and, of course, being able to deliver your lines, being able to get the, the words off the page. And um, so anything you can do, I mean, what you could do, um, even if you, you didn't want to coach or anything, you could at least take some improv lessons or, you know, some drama lessons just to loosen you up. Not, it's not directly voiceovers necessarily, but it's in the creative industries and it's, you know, it's about performance and it's about words on the page and, or, or ideas and communicating messages and so on. And that, that's what it's about. And um, so it's not just about your voice and it's not just about talking. You know, it's not talking as in you are aiming uh, usually with most voiceovers to to be to be talking to your one listener. But of course, the key is you're not using usually anyway, you're not using your own your own words. But it depends what area of voiceovers. And um, I would the other thing I would say is keep keep your minds open and don't put yourself in a pigeonhole because you may not end up in that genre. You may think, oh, I want to do audio books. But in fact, you may end up never doing audiobooks, but it doesn't, doesn't mean to say you can't do voiceovers. You know? uh, and if you think, well, I want to do commercials or whatever, or video games, and 
you, you might never do anything in that area, in those areas, and you might end up as a um, just doing another, you know, another genre you never even thought of. So in voiceovers, the niche tends to choose you rather than the other way around. And I think it's always worth, always worth bearing that in mind. It's a, it's a, it's a good thing to, uh, to think about, really, and to you know, right. take on board. So, um, a little bit about yourself now. Um, what about Terry Terza, the man? What can, what can you tell us about you and your life? Well, it's very boring. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't have a lot. Uh, I don't have any hobbies. I've never really had any hobbies other than, you know, I suppose the hobbies I had uh, when I was younger was always, uh, in, you know, messing around with tapes and, and doing stuff like that, which became my, my work. Um, so my work is kind of what I what I do. Um, I uh, live a fairly quiet life, I think, um, just with um, my family. So I've got my, my wife and um, got two teenage sons. And you know my 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 life really revolves around them and and my work. So. Um, that's it. <laughs> Full stop. Um, I, you know, I do. I, I do like watching telly and things like that, and and um, I'll watch Netflix with my, with my my boys and everything. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't go paragliding or anything like that. <laughs> I don't have any of those exciting things that I do. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, say sorry, yeah, sorry Joe. Go ahead. Yeah. I was talking over you then, I do apologise. Um, I was just going to say, um, you said you, you watch telly, you like to watch telly. So do you find yourself, I mean, like, I, I, I'm from the security industry. So when I go to Tesco's, I find myself watching people, people watching, because it's in the blood. Um, are you the same when you're watching Netflix or watching something and an advert comes on? Are you yeah, yeah, people? sometimes. I mean, like I say, my, my uh, speciality is continuity announcing. So you do tend to listen to continuity announcers a lot, not that you get any on Netflix, yeah. but uh, so it, it's devoid of them really. But um, certainly, you know, if I'm watching BBC or Sky or Channel 4 or whatever, yeah, I listen out to the, to the announcers and hear how they've changed and so on o over the years. And um, so, yeah, I, mean, I don't do it from a critical point of view, like, oh, they're not doing it like we used to do it our day. Uh, I try not to fall into that trap. It's very easy to be kind, become the kind of old bloke who sits there in his armchair, you know, sort of <laughs> criticising uh, the sound of those youngsters. I can't understand a word they're saying, you know, um, because, you know, it's all it's all change or it's changing and quite rightly so you know quite rightly so so um but yeah you can't help but but listen to stuff and and there are some great voices out there you know some really really good voices and so sometimes i'm envious and i think oh yeah that, that sounds a lovely voice you know and it's beautifully delivered and of course there'll be voices you're not so keen on but you know I know it works the other way, and I'm sure there were lots of people who weren't keen on my voice either. So, you, can't, you know, I, I sort of try and keep my opinions to myself and uh, to some extent, but but it's only human nature, isn't it, to sort of look at that like you were saying. You know, you go in and and uh, you're observing people all the time, and so you are you are listening out. And and of course, I'm doing that 
partly for my students as well, listening in for any you know, new trends in voiceovers or, or new things that have voiceovers like apps and things like that, you know, that, that didn't exist a few years ago. So I try and keep my ear to the ground and, uh, but not get too bogged down with it, which I think is the, hopefully is the key. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have one final question, if you wouldn't mind. I mean, you've, yes, already, said that you, you've already said that you, you don't do very much at all. So as a relaxation, are you uh, one of these people just sit on the couch and, have family time or no i go um i've started jogging actually <laughs> so that, that's kind of my big thing so i try not to just sit on the couch because i um because you're sitting down all the time you know mm -hmm. and uh and so I, I try and go jogging at least four or five times a week well i say jogging it's more of a shuffle really i'm not i'm not very good uh, I used to say running and then I read somewhere that you had to be above a certain speed, like above four kilometers an hour or something. And I think I'm actually less than that. So uh, I'm not a runner. I'm a jogger or a shuffler, you might say. <laughs> but I, I enjoy doing that. Yeah. And that really clears my head. And um, and, I, and I've, I've come quite late to it. I've only sort of started doing it in the last three years or so. But mm. um hopefully not too late but uh, <laughs> I, I do enjoy that and that's kind of my, my that is my I suppose you know I, I said I hadn't got any hobbies or anything but that's kind of my pastime really that's what I, what I enjoy doing. Are you one of these people then in that case that uh, would do it at the end of a hard day to help you relax or would you do it? Yeah, mostly. I've, I've done it at all times of the day but um, my favorite time I think is sort of early evening and, and the good thing about running or jogging is that you get to you get that you sort of appreciate the seasons a bit more and so you know when it's warmer you think oh it's great to run on a, on a warm evening as long as it's not too hot and then if it, it you know as winter comes along you, you think oh you know it's getting crisper and colder it's very nice and then as you go through winter it gets very cold you're wrapping up and then uh, uh looking forward to the spring and running then so i quite enjoy you know we're lucky to live in a country where we've got seasons and um so i you know, you know I, I just enjoy doing that so i'm a, i'm an i've become an evening runner i wasn't always and occasionally i will still run at other times of the day but um i'm, I'm kind of a you know six six seven o'clock in the evening person sometimes five-ish if i've been outrageous but uh mostly uh you know kind of early evening is, is my time so um and i'm very lucky i live sort of uh on a common uh so it's, you know it's good to 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 run round there and uh, so there's plenty plenty of places to to go fairly fairly safely without getting run over <laughs> but well, so far i haven't got run over but uh, so um yeah i mean uh, you know it's my it, it is my my hobby uh, really it's become my my pastime right okay thank you ever so much for your time i do appreciate it um, you're welcome jerry We've come to the end of another podcast, folks, I'm afraid to say. But hopefully you'll join me again next week when I'll have another fantastic guest on the podcast. I'd like to say a massive thank you to Gary Terza, the legend, for being a legend and just being a wonderful human being. Thank you to you all, and I hope you'll join me next week 
until then have a very very safe and enjoyable bank holiday and join me next week when I will have another great guest in the meantime if you want to get a hold of me please feel free to contact me on realtalken25 that's realtalken25 at gmail.com bye bye and I'll speak to you all next week Thank you.